We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 139. Today we will be talking about Eureka, the season 2 premiere of Teen Wolf, uh, The Killing, that's about to finish its second season, uh, the season finales of Veep and Mad Men, and the series premiere of Bunheads, uh, plus a few TV on DVD picks. Uh, you can find the full show notes with time codes for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 139. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Um, I'm Drew Morehouse with E! Online, soon to be zapped to it. I'm going to be a TV writer for them next week. Oh, I'm Laurel Laurel Brown. (laughs) I'm a TV writer for Buddy TV. All right. Well, thanks, both of you, for uh, coming on the show uh, with me. And uh, both of you are first time on on this podcast. So I will ask uh, the question we ask all first-timers, starting with you, Drew, how... What is it about TV, or and uh, how did you get into writing about TV? Well, I started out as a book editor and then made the switch to editing for celebrity websites. And I got the TV gig um, because our head TV writer here got married, and I had to fill in. So my first ever interview was with Michael C. Hall and then the cast of Dexter for season one. So it was a great start. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good <laughs> And then um, I'm about to celebrate my 20th wedding anniversary with my husband. We always say the secret to our the success of our marriage is TV. That's that's most of what we do. Uh, the, the the family that watches TV together stays together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, and uh, Laurel, how about you? Um kind of have a weird method of having gotten to TV writing. Um, I was actually in grad school for something else completely. I was um, doing a PhD in history, and uh, for fun and for sanity's sake, I started doing a lot of online writing, um, internet writing, just fun stuff, things like that. And then I finished grad school right at the beginning of the current recession, and jobs were not exactly available, so I decided to pursue writing for a change. And um, as I was doing that, I had an awful lot of people, like repeatedly and independently, point out that I talked about television kind of all the time and that maybe I should try to make a career out of it. So several million freelance articles later, I happened upon a job advertisement for Buddy TV, and it was a case of right place at the right time. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so both of you uh, were up last week or a week before. Oh, gosh, I don't even remember now. It uh, seems like it was so long ago, even though it was <laughs> <laughs> on the visit to the set of Psych for the 100th episode. And uh, we talked, uh, Amory, and, and we also had Andrea, who was up there on the podcast last week, and we talked about, uh, you know, some of the things that we liked about the show. And since you were both up there, I thought I'd ask you both, like, what was your favorite part of the, you know, sort of the whole event, uh, the the whole day and a half uh, up there? How about you, Drew? Um, well, you know, it, I've heard a lot of this before. Just um, I'm a huge fan of the show and obviously covered it quite a bit. Um, I just, I just really liked 
uh, to see showrunner uh, Steve Frank's like puppy dog enthusiasm um, going into season seven. He's still like a golden retriever to me. So I I just found that really charming, and especially when he quotes his own stuff. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. And then um, after you guys left, I got to talk to Kurt Smith, which was just a dream come true for me, being a total 80s music geek. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we got to talk about his role in the in the Clue homage episode. Playing Kurt Smith. His name is Kurt Smith. <laughs> so how about you, Laurel? I would say other than being able to actually poke around the Santa Barbara Police Department, which was frighteningly awesome, uh, I'd have to say that just seeing a cast that obviously likes and respects each other to the point where they're basically never shutting up about how awesome everybody else is. Um, they were all just so happy to talk about everyone else in the most positive way. Uh, it was just really great to see that. And I know lots of shows do have positive sh- positive atmospheres, but it's really nice when one of your favorite shows but that you find out behind the scenes, they're having almost as much fun as we're having watching them. Yeah, Steve Franks, you know, when he starts talking about his show, you just need to give just the, the minimalist of prompting and just let him go. And uh, to watch the dynamic of them, how they play off of each other, just in those settings are 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 always great. I like that. Ultimately, the 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 tables and stuff ended up getting moved on set, so we were actually sitting on set to do the interviews. I thought that was a lot of fun. And I also like that we ended up getting to watch and sort of be a part of like the hundredth episode toast and seeing everybody that's involved in the show, like all taking this giant picture and realizing how many people it takes to put on a TV show. Like you don't really always think about it, like especially with TV, since the credits usually end up pushing off to the side or you, you never really see that type of stuff. Not, you know, like a movie, the credits roll for three minutes afterwards, you know, and you, you sort of, have an idea that there's a lot of people it takes to put a a movie together but but for a tv show you just see like stars and writers producers type names at the beginning of a show and you don't really ever see anything else about it and so seeing all the people from the grips to the pas to the office people all there and you're just like wow it takes hundreds of people to put on this show you know 16 to 20 times a year (laughs) yeah I just, you know, found really amazing. And, you know, how often are you ever going to be able to be on set of one of your favorite shows when they reach a milestone like that? Well, not very often because most of my favorite shows don't make it to 100 episodes. When you're you're toasting that, wow, they they made it to a second season. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Got a couple of news items. Uh, the first one is the, the Body of Proof, which I was actually kind of surprised that actually made it to a third season, has like dropped half its cast, but then a day or so later, like announced that they were hiring a whole bunch of new people to uh, to play the the cop side. Either either of you watched that show? I no. did. I watched the first season and about half of the second season. 
Um, and then I just had too much TV to, I had to cut some shows and that was one of the ones that got cut. So, yeah, I was kind of in the same place. I watched the first season, uh, and I, I think I maybe only watched like the first couple episodes of season two and it just sort of like, yeah, there was just so much other stuff that it, this wasn't good enough like to, <laughs> to stay on the list. And, and I watch, uh, you know, I watch a lot of TV, so, and I have sort of a low, a low threshold for some of the stuff that I actually watch, but, uh, I was actually interested in this because the side of the show that bored me or I didn't really like was the cop side of the show. And yep. they've they've done away with all of them, and they're bringing on a whole new set of people. So I may actually tune back in in season three to see what it is that they're doing. So maybe it'll yeah. work. I mean, I'd like to see it out of curiosity and just to see if they can develop the characters better. Because I was realizing as I was like looking at the news reports about this, I didn't actually know the characters' names. I'd watched a season and a half of the show and the three characters who left, I would never have been able to tell you who they were. I mean, I knew the actors. I would have recognized them. I knew most of their names, but the characters, I had no idea. I mean, that's how little development some of these characters had. And if they're getting rid of these particular characters to actually focus on some new ones and to build up the characters, that could only be a good thing for the show because that was the weak point for me. All of the supporting cast were just so background. Yeah, it didn't really bother me so much with the you know the people at the morgue. No, uh, you know so much being exactly. you know, being sort of uh, there for comic relief or uh, or just silly things to be happening or whatever. Uh, but the other side of the the investigation parts and stuff like that, it just I was just like, really, these are the cops. You know, yeah. the, these. I just never really, uh, never really bought it. The, the I'm other uh, actors. <laughs> yeah, the, the other uh, news item uh, is that apparently uh, Leah Michelle is to appear in every episode next season. If you believe Ryan Murphy this time, yeah. <laughs> which is which seems interesting in just I've long stopped watching the show, but seems interesting in what it sounds like they may be doing. You know, for a show of how it might be split between people who have graduated and people who are still there and stuff, that to somehow have uh, one of the people that's graduated appear in every episode seems uh, seems interesting, but it won't get me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've long long given up on on Glee. I just like I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> I had nothing. I had no complaints about the conceit. It's just the inconsistency and I what I thought was just the meanness of the characters toward each other um, really turned me off. And Corey Monty's acting, not so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it has a great like first thirteen episodes, uh-huh. and then from there, it, they've just sort of lost their way. And yeah, I some of the meanness or whatever, but some of it was just that stuff that just made no sense, even within this little world that they had set up, like, you know, where nobody shows up to a performance. And you're like, really? None of their parents really are ever going to are, are they're not even going to show up like that stuff like that little just little things like that. And then 
uh, character inconsistencies where you you're like, is this the same character as last week? You know, are they are they a new? Somehow they're completely different. Yeah, uh, it just got too much, and I was never a big fan of like the singing part of it. I was a fan of the story and comedy sort of part of it, and so when that got all sort of jumbled up and didn't become fun anymore, there was nothing. You know, there was nothing there. Yeah. For me, the big issue was that Glee just consistently broke its own rules. I mean, you point right. out that it's this fantastical world where people sing and change costumes immediately, and there's always a guy at the piano. But within that, you can have rules. Like, the rules of that bizarre world can still exist, and Glee didn't believe in that, in a sense. Like, any time it was convenient for the plot to abandon what they'd set up, they just did. And they abandoned characters, they abandoned plots, um, you know, sometimes they came back, but it didn't matter what had been set up before because everything was in service of telling whatever story they were telling right then. And I just couldn't handle it after a while. <laughs> or servicing like the random guest star. Well, yeah, that too. Rather than their own characters. <laughs> right. Everybody loves Madonna. Everybody loves Spoon the Black. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there, yeah, there was, there was too much of that show. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you can do whatever you want for a TV show, but once you've set up what your TV show is, you can't mm-hmm. then change the rules in the middle of it. You know, you have to abide by the world that you've set up. Right. I don't need it to be believable. I need it to be believable within what you've set up. And you're right, Glee definitely definitely into season two just like yes. <laughs> like completely lost any of whatever whatever it is set up in the first season it just like let that all go away and uh but that's enough talk about glee <laughs> on to uh, uh our primetime segment uh, talking about a few shows that aired between sunday june 3rd and uh monday june 11th uh which is actually tonight uh we're uh, <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually talking about a little bit of a head of an episode, but when we get to Bunheads at the end. Uh, so the first show on the list is Eureka, Season 5, Episode 7, Ex Machina. We're just, you know, so far Season 5. Uh, what, do you, uh, what are you thinking about Eureka so far? Well, I love it, as always. I think it's stronger than ever, um, and it breaks my heart that, that this is the end of it. Um, obviously very happy that Holly came back. Um, in some form, um, I I have a feeling. Spoiler alert: that we're going to see her as a robot before the season's over. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I loved the uh, memorial scene with Fargo's um, emotional absence and distraction because he knew that she was alive in some sense. Mm-hmm. And I'll I'll just say one more thing. I I did you both see it? Oh yeah. Okay, so the the security guy um he could have very easily been a cookie cutter character antagonist right. coming in and he wasn't. He he was he was Joe's comrade in war and he wasn't out to get them. Right. You're right. That was actually really cool. Like I hadn't actually thought about that that the that the antagonist of the week was a person like they actually bothered to make him someone 
because they didn't have to. But yeah, I mean, I think Eureka's just killing it this season. Um, like, I've always liked the show, and I think they've had, you know, creative highs and lows, and I feel like they've been on a creative high since season four began, and they just keep going up. Um, the first three episodes that they had with the alternate reality and the Matrix world and all that kind of stuff, that was just done so perfectly that, I mean, I'd be willing to give them anything at this point, and I don't, it's not much of a stretch because they're still going on. And I have to say, I was so, so, so happy that Holly wasn't dead because I'd been pretty much screaming to anyone who had listened since the second episode that Holly could not be dead. Not really. So (laughs) I was glad I was right. (laughs) Eureka's been one of my favorite shows since the very first episode. Like, it just has, uh, you know, just the sort of the, the wacky style of, comedy and and things that go on is just sort of like right in my wheelhouse for the type of stuff that I like and uh you know and then sort of the the science fictiony side of it uh so you you mixed a lot of things that I liked into a show that turned out to be really good and has grown like Laurel just said that you know season 4 it could be you know might even be like the best season of the show uh and and what they've continue to expand the show more and more each season it's it's gotten bigger uh in in its scope of things that it's dealing with and uh it's it's just been a lot of fun and i was you know sort of happy to see uh holly back and 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 now a, a part of uh a part of the house <laughs> you know it's just like a, this is getting uh, crowded it's, it's, <laughs> a lot of uh a lot of stuff going on there at that at that place. So Fargo Fargo does the voice of Sarah the house. So now oh, he's yeah. like in this bizarre love triangle almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, kind of a, a weird little thing, but they've had a lot of fun with that. Uh, they've actually had a lot of fun with Fargo having sort of ended up doing the voice on accident like <laughs> that wasn't originally planned you know type of thing that just uh it just like happened and they ended up liking it and they kept it and then he had to do it for like the rest <laughs> of the show uh which he does is, it well though i mean i didn't realize it was him until i was actually specifically told and then i figured it out like i could tell afterwards but until someone told me i had no idea it was the same person it was good <laughs> Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm loving this season. You know, this episode was was really good, uh, and definitely sad that to see that you know, it's only a, a little over a month away, and it'll be gone. Uh, and it it seems it seems such an oddity because it seems like it's right in the middle of it's like being really good. It still has seasons left in it, so I don't know. I will say that I was happened to be on set the day they canceled the series, so it was one of the weirdest set visits I've ever done, <laughs> and, and very sad. But I was also there when, uh, at the end of the day, Jamie Paglia, the showrunner, got the news that they would give him an extra episode to wrap up the series. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they do that. Yeah, at least they did do that. Like, it wasn't just, you know... I think networks and the cable nets and broadcast nets are getting better at at least 
giving something for shows that have run some sort of period of time. Uh, you know, not just canceling it at like obviously they were going along building a show based on they're going to go to another season and then they find out they're not. Mm-hmm. You can't just end a you can't end a show on in five seasons like that. That just seems so wrong. Uh, so I, I was very glad to hear that they gave them it, you know another and isn't it sort of like an extended episode? So like it's almost like a almost a double episode, isn't it? Really the for the I'm for sure. the, the finale, I can't remember, but at least they got something to be able to put the characters in a place for fans. You know, is <laughs> not nece- you know it's not necessarily obviously the final thing for them. It was, they would still continue on, but still have everybody in a place. No like cliffhanger, you know, type of thing or some something where you're wondering what happens to uh to to people you're just like oh these people are together this is what's happening these are what jobs these people are in and and then it goes on from there and you can believe that they're still uh living in that eureka world <laughs> unless for once something actually does destroy the earth <laughs> <laughs> one of fargo's projects <laughs> that's the one that got away <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do a good job of stopping the end of the world, considering that it does happen on a weekly basis in that town. I mean, that's my—that's always been my one issue with that show. Is cer- certain amount of are they really going to get away with practically destroying the world that often? After a while, somebody might say no. <laughs> somebody be like, "Okay, we are getting some cool stuff out of this place, but we've almost died." <laughs> like. <laughs> A lot. So we need to shuffle things around here a little bit. I think so. Okay, so let's uh, uh, move on to the next show on the list. Uh, Teen Wolf, uh, Season 2, Episode 1, Omega, and Episode 2, Shapeshifted. I can't remember who, which uh, which of you... Ha- do both of you watch or which of you had it on your list? Uh, that was me. <laughs> I have it, I watch it pretty religiously. It's I am not ashamed to say I love that show. Yeah, well, it turned out to be way, you know, way better than you would have ever thought going into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I fully expected before before the first season began that um, this would be my guilty pleasure that I never told anyone about because (laughs) obviously it was going to be stupid. It was going to be the stupid teen show, and I was going to watch it because I'm a sucker for any sort of werewolf-esque stories um, anywhere. So, yeah. But then I fortunately got to have a good show and totally got into it, um, loved the first season, very much enjoying the first two episodes of season two and looking forward to watching it tonight and then spending hours and hours and hours writing about it because that's what else I get to do. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, I think it's actually you know a really good show. It's, it's definitely more uh, in the sort of the vampire diaries uh, type of thing. You know, it's got the the sort of the teen drama aspect of it, but it also has a much bigger uh, scope and is more serious than you would originally have thought based on, you know, they're making Teen Wolf, you know, those were comedies, <laughs> you know, the movies were comedies. And so I like that they sort of just took the basic idea of a teenager <laughs> gets bitten and turns into a, a wolf and then built this whole uh, show about, you know, hunters and, and you know alphas and and all these different types of things they they really expanded it out and it 
they do a good job on similar to the the Vampire Diaries of of with the twists and the turns of the story and and creating suspense and uh like what is the <laughs> the, the creature that's that's uh, around town uh, knocking people off uh, yes. that uh you know and then having the hunter family you know sort of the the or the grandfather or father come in and be like yeah we're we're not going by the code anymore. <laughs> We're just taking out <laughs> any wolf we find. Uh, and then on the other side, uh, Derek trying to create like his own little army of, uh, <laughs> of werewolves. I, I, they've really, they're really expanding it out this season uh, mm-hmm. from even, you know, from the, the initial story. Uh, and, you know, I'm totally on board. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they needed to go out a bit because I mean, the first season was just, I mean, essentially about one person. Um, you know, it was all the stuff around him and everything, but it was one person dealing with the fact that he'd gotten bitten by a werewolf and that life was complicated as a result. So they do have to kind of go somewhere from that. But, I mean, for me, what works in Teen Wolf and what's fortunately continuing to work that they seem to really understand what they're doing with is just the characters. I mean, there's so many characters in that show that are very... They're distinct. Um, and different and a little bit offbeat. I mean, there's Styles, the sidekick, who everyone has to love because he's just he's hilarious and funny and you know, goofy in all the right ways and everything. But then like they've got the character of Lydia, who's like the quintessential mean girl cheerleader type, except that she's also the smartest person on the show and a math genius and manages to get herself totally wrapped up in this crazy drama. Um, I just like that they're willing to do like you know, something a little bit different. People are allowed to be different. People are allowed to be individual. And then they just mix that up with crazy weird stories with slimy, dripping monsters that kill people for no obvious reason in the middle of the night. And it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, looking forward to looking forward to tonight. Uh, of, of, you know, the third se- third episode of the season. It's, mm-hmm. it's definitely become... It's one of those shows that you want to see like the next episode now. Like oh, yeah. you Definitely. want to, you don't want to wait another week. And yeah. there's a I watch a lot of TV, but <laughs> there's a lot less of it that I watch that are like I want to watch it like right when it's airing or soon after and when it I've seen an episode, I want to see the next one. Uh the, the, it's the type of show that does well for sort of the like marathoning. Like at some point you could like sit down and just plays through like a season of of teen wolf because uh, every episode sort of builds on the previous one and so and it sets up something new and like i want to know what's going on i'm granted we're not going to know for a while probably what this sort of creature uh is but you know all of a sudden you get sort of a a good look at it and you're like whoa what is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and sort of the idea that there's probably going to be like the wolves and the hunters might need to team up <laughs> for a bit, like to deal with this problem over here. There's going to have to be some of that. And I mean, also like this episode tonight, in terms of, you know, things you desperately want to see right away, there's the Zamboni. Like there is a Zamboni on an ice rink. It's nothing could be bad about that. Like there's going to be something awesome going on there. <laughs> I don't know why they're at an ice rink. I 
don't know how that could possibly be worked into the story, but they're on a nice rink and a Zamboni gets involved. And yeah, that's why I like this show. It's things like that that make no sense and are wonderful. Uh, speaking of things that make no sense, let's move <laughs> on to The Killing. <laughs> Perfect segue. <laughs> Season 2, Episode 12. Uh, Donnie or Marie? Uh, <laughs> yeah. There is so much wrong with the show. It's hard to say what's <laughs> right. Although I I did find um, last night's episode to be one of the strongest. Do you guys agree? I didn't watch it. I'm I'm one of those people who fell away from the killing, <laughs> and just want someone to tell me who killed the girl at this point because I that's I, pretty much the level of my interest. So I applaud you. <laughs> I still find the show compelling in that. The atmosphere that they've set up, the characters—you know—I like a lot of the characters that they've set up. And but my main problem with last night's episode is the whole thing is them is both of them thinking based on the key card that they found and it and and the door that it opens up in the city hall, thinking that it's one of the two Richmond campaign you know sidekicks. And for me, they just asked her. In the pre, like an episode or two ago, to get her father to help them get the warrant to get onto the Indian land to get the federal warrant, and so there's no way she would have actually helped get that done if she had anything to do with it. So it made no sense to me that they would consider her a suspect all of a sudden. Like, why would somebody, why would somebody help out? Uh, you know. If if they were there, you know, if they were part of it, why would they do anything uh, to help you get more information about it? It made that part of it made no sense. I think you're asking a lot of it to make sense. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, though, like you're you're supposed to be narrowing down on who it could actually be, and for the two cops to spend the episode going, is it this one or this one? Yeah. And one of them makes no sense whatsoever to be one of the choices, and the other one seems like the obvious choice from day one. That's what I was thinking. I was I was just saying that um, he was so obvious that if Jamie ends up being the killer somehow, it will have just been a 24-hour episode of Law & Order because he <laughs> pegged the killer from the beginning. And then there's red herrings, but at least in Law & Order, there's three red herrings, whereas... In this show, there's been about 87, I believe. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's there's been a lot. Uh, I like the idea of you know doing an investigation over a longer period of time than within an episode, or even within you know like a an episode that takes place over like a couple days. Uh, you know, but when they didn't give us <laughs> who killed Rosie Larson. Because all along, the show seemed to be built to, you're going to get that answer, but at some point it's going to move into setting something up for what the case would be in the season two. But yet, you're still trying to figure out who killed Rosie Larson. And you when you get down to it in like the previews for the next episode, all the previews seem to point to Jamie like as being the person. And I go, there's no way, really? They're not advertising... The person, like in the in the previews, like for for the final episode, that just that's one of those things that doesn't make sense to me. So it's like if it's not going to be him now, 
Like, what twist is going to come here at the end to be, you know, who it's actually going to be? And like you said, because if it actually turns out to be him, like, it just seems too strange uh, for it to be. And But who else could it be now? Like, they've gone through so many people, and you can't just pull somebody out of like out of a hat at the end it's got to be somebody that's been on the show otherwise it completely loses anything i think it's going to be leland palmer who <laughs> killed uh his, his laura nice. palmer in twin peaks it's, it's the same region um we don't know what he's been up to probably out of jail uh, <laughs> definitely just uh headed uh over the hills to uh <laughs> into, into the big city. Yeah. Uh, yeah, ha- has a thing for teen girls. Well, I think I think um, the, the killing is borrowed very heavily from, from Twin Peaks. Um, I don't know if you both are fans, but it sort of bothers me because there's paying homage like Psych does, and then there's ripping <laughs> off badly like the show does. And <laughs> from, from the escorts to the casino and everything else. Yeah, there's a there's a, definitely a lot of stuff that you've seen before, and atmospheric wise, I you know I was okay with it for season one, and I sort of stuck with it for season two, just almost sort of like a research project type of thing. Like I'm I'm going to stick with the show to see what it is that they're going to do. Uh, how how this is 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 going to ultimately work out? But I'm not sure. Like ultimately, if they do give you finally, how many people are going to come back for a third season of some <laughs> possibly some other murder or investigation? And but is it going to be solved at the end of that one, or is it going to be another two season? Uh, thing. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a problem with the two season thing because ultimately, 26 episodes is roughly a regular season on network TV uh, to to run a show. But you, you seem to have. You need to have. Uh, like, I need to know absolutely ahead of time with a show like this. Am I going to get an answer at the end, or because then it does feel like a waste of time in some respects. Even if you enjoyed the acting and the stories and stuff like that through there. Uh, if there seemed to be a goal out here where it's not, the show seemed to be pointing to it's about the murder mystery. It's about finding who did this. But what it, the first season really wanted you to believe was ultimately is that it was about these characters dealing with this. And while that was interesting, it would have worked better if that would have been like sort of the setup of the show is really what we're here to do is to see how this murder affects people, the the people closest to the person that was involved and the the cops investigating it and the people that knew or could have had something to do with it you know that's an interesting way to to go at a show but the the whole thing was who killed rosie larson it's even on they even put it on the season one dvd case like that's that's it so like that's what when you go into it that's what the show is about and then when you don't get that it, it is really kind of uh, uh, frustrating, and I still think it's funny that the creator and the people behind the show still are like, don't get it. Like, they right. still don't get... <laughs> and it may not have even been their fault, it may have been the network's fault and the way that it got advertised and stuff like that, but still, you, that they don't get it, even now, uh, <laughs> makes no sense, that makes no sense to me. And I think, 
even worse in all of this is that I at least no longer care about any of the characters. Um, maybe Holder, but but Lyndon is such a terrible law enforcement agent. Or I can't even call her a detective. She doesn't deserve that title. And Mother, I mean, she's like an epic failure that... I, if she just stayed in the mental hospital, I would be happy. So I would, I would watch a Holder spinoff. I like Darren Richmond because I could see Billy Campbell read a newspaper, but the rest of them, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, I sort of liked their character in the beginning, but yeah, over the course of it, it really becomes like, why can you not just tell somebody what's going on? Like, why do you have to keep everything from your son? Like, why can't you tell your son what the deal is? Like, you just send him away because you need to go, you know, you need to go away. But no explanation of, of of anything. Like, at any time, you know, you don't necessarily, you're not sharing details of the case that you're working on. But should have been able to say something to her son or to other people of, like, what's going on. Uh, that then these other things that come up because she doesn't say anything uh you know become problems or whatever and but there's never been a reason why at certain times you're just like just say it there's no reason not to say it there's no he just asked you what's going on don't just tell him everything's fine there's no reason not to tell him what's going on and that type of writing style to be able to keep the potential for these other types of problems that should not be happening uh get really annoying after a while but I think that's yeah. enough about the killing. Yeah. I think we've we've killed it enough. <laughs> uh, but I am finally looking forward to finding out who killed Rosie Larson. I mean, the advertisements have said you will find out. So if they have to now, uh, right? There's there's no little there's there's the promise where it's not just asking a question. They're saying you're going to find the answer. Maybe she's alive. <laughs> <laughs> She, she's uh, chasing butterflies down in the... Uh, okay, so the next show on the list is uh, Mad Men, Season 5, Episode 13, uh, The Phantom, which is the the season finale. And I don't watch the show, so you two have at it. Um, I think the only thing wrong with, with the episode, with the finale, was um, there was no Sally Draper. I, I needed some <laughs> Sally Draper there. Uh, um, feel free to interrupt me at any time, Laurel. But, but I thought, you know, maybe after Lane's dramatic suicide, people were expecting something even more dramatic in the finale. And I liked the, its slow pace and the way it ended uh, very much. And and there was a cliffhanger. Is is Don going back to his old old ways, or or is he staying with his wife? Yeah, I mean, I agree because it was. I really enjoyed the episode, and I enjoyed it more than many of the season five episodes. Um, and I I actually quite liked the season, but there were definitely parts that I was a little bit shaky on. Um, but this the finale, I did like it. I would. I also would have liked to have seen Sally, although. I'm not sure where they would have fit her in, but I'm willing to make that sacrifice for the rest of the episode. But I did, <laughs> I did like, I mean, I liked how it was a very quiet episode. It was just sort of a final thing going to an ending. Um, 
wrapping things up for the season. And I mean, for me, it had enough thrills just in the whole, the return in creepy, creepy, creepy ways of Adam, um, Dom's younger brother, who, I mean, the show did such a good job with that little bringing him back thing. I mean, we haven't seen this guy since season one. He's not been a character. He was only in a couple of episodes, but the second he turned around and that face was there, it was like immediately just knew that this was the dead brother. And I thought that was amazingly well done and shows how good the show is. Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting that they had Lane's death ultimately be hanging as well. Um, Right. (laughs) He tried and tried again. Oh, that was so sad and funny at the same time. (laughs) That's what would happen if I tried to kill myself um, in a car. That's exactly what would happen to me. I would not be able to get the car started. So (laughs) I I I realized at that point. (laughs) um, One thing that, that... I interpreted from from this season and ultimately the finale with Don's relationship with Megan is that I I felt that their marriage was so strong because she was a strong woman. She was strong professionally. She was strong sexually. She was strong maternally with his children. And with her collapse um, in last night's finale, I, I felt like she was going into Betty territory and and yeah. this might be precisely the reason Don um, might be going back to his Don Juan ways yeah I mean I definitely agree with you like I was surprised at how much I liked Megan um, she was this you know nothing character and then she was everything and I really liked her. I thought she was interesting. And to me, she was sort of the embodiment of everything he was chasing for the first four seasons. He was chasing her. I mean, not her specifically, but it was like this free-spirited woman who is strong and knows her own mind and knows what she wants and is good at business and does all these things. Like, if you put together all the women that he chased over the four seasons while he was with Betty and while he was single, she's all of them. Right. I mean, there's also, like, there is that element of Betty. And sort of brings up the question, is that a good thing or a bad thing for their marriage? Because he did marry Betty. They were together for a long time. And they weren't always unhappy. Like, there were happy moments in that marriage that even we saw as the marriage was dissolving. And so, I mean, I thought I loved the way they ended it with just this very ambiguous, is he going to go cheat on his wife? Is he going to be faithful to her like he has been all season? And I love that we have no idea. Right. He could be anything. He could go any way. What way do you think he's going to go? Um, I honestly am not 100% sure. I think, I mean, the obvious answer is yes, he is going to cheat on his wife and it will have the negative effect you would expect on the marriage. But I've been surprised by Mad Men before, and I mean, I was surprised by the fidelity all season. <laughs> like, the fact that he really was faithful when he could, he could be faithful to a woman. Maybe not forever, but, you know, that it was there. And I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. I truly cannot decide on an answer to that question. Do you have an idea? Oh, I would suspect he would stray. I I don't want him to. No. Um, <laughs> Yeah. 
my heart wants him to remain true. Yes. Yes. We all we all have such high hopes for Don Draper. Mm-hmm. Someday he'll be a good man. Yeah. What do you think the meaning was of the of the the bad tooth? See, that was the part I was having trouble with with the episode. Um, I mean, there's that whole something rotten that you're trying to ignore, but in the end, you have to have it. You have to get rid of it because they're because keeping the rotten thing with you is just going to destroy you in the end. That's the only metaphor I came up with for it, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the ones that sort of like afterwards was like, wait, what was the tooth about? Right. So. Yeah, I, I need some more time to think about that one. Mm-hmm. I'll send a yeah. paper to one of my colleges, college English professors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, Jason, two thumbs up for the finale. Of yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on to uh, the next show on the list is Veep, uh, Season 1, Episode 8, uh, Tears. Uh, the season finale. I I really like this show. I think <laughs> I think it's very funny. Uh, I like that it deals sort of with um, the it's, it deals with politics, but not like left or right or Democrat or Republican or progressive, uh, you know, Tea Party or you know whatever. Uh, it it really sort of deals with just the the politics of trying to get something done, not necessarily uh, the the actual, I don't know, the like you said, the where they're they're coming from. Like she's very nondescript as like political party wise or whatever. So it's it's really about this group of people sort of stumbling their way through trying to get uh, something done for a job that really doesn't really. There's there's not a lot that you can do unless there needs to be a tie broken in the Senate or the president dies. Like that other than that, you don't really have any any real power as the vice president. So it it plays really well with that. Uh the one thing uh that I that that bothers me a little bit about it is uh is not that they, you know, not that they swear and all that type of stuff, but that they go to that. It seems more often because they can, because it's on HBO, than because having the vice president say the f word at a certain time is actually funny. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's like too many times where somebody just like, you know, swears or something, uh, and it just sort of goes around, and you're like, this isn't really funny. And that, but then on other occasions there are some where it does work. Uh, so I, it it falls into that category of things on the premium cable networks, where on occasion they use things. This show doesn't use nudity, but you know those shows tend to use nudity or swearing or things like that because they can, not because it actually provides any extra humor or drama or thing to the actual situation. Uh, but overall, I really enjoy Veep. It's one of my favorite new shows. Um, I'm a huge Curb Your Enthusiasm fan, and, and it reminds me a lot of that with the little Aaron Sorkin and Arrested Development thrown in. Um, and you're right about the, the, the 
uh, party affiliation. She could be either Dan Quayle or Joe Biden. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> they're all buffoonish. Um, I wish she were a little bit less of a buffoon. And the one thing that I really loved about last night's episode is when she actually commanded the podium, um, even if she was on a step stool to get there. But, but. <laughs> for that moment, you saw why she attained the position she did, even if it is right now in name only. She actually did run at one time and was considered a viable candidate. I, I just think um, her tears, as manipulated as they were, um, made her a more vulnerable person um, and more likable. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it, it it worked really well. I think the episode did show that she can even in that interview where she started to cry but she still like turned it around to got in her talking points uh yep. type of thing and and then like the speech that she's she's giving that yeah it does show that because like the very first episode they the speech gets all mangled and she gives this thing and it it just becomes almost like how, how did this person end up <laughs> in this job like <laughs> uh type of thing and so there have been more moments uh, and definitely in the in the finale to show that she was you know a formidable person and and has has something behind that because uh, I think they do run the risk in the type of show that it is that if they do go into that buffoon or too many what's funny about it is the problems that they have but if they have too many problems then you're just like how did this person end up here right and so th- that balance. Uh, and I think for the most part, they figure stuff out. But, you know, I like stuff like the, you know, the really slick guy who gets gets the promotion and then has a, a press release immediately sent out about his promotion. You know, tells the person it's on this uh, here. It's on this flash drive. It's under the the folder uh, phase one. Uh, <laughs> so it's like he's got like his plan. But then something backfires and he ends up getting demoted but then since he had already sent the press release they couldn't officially demote him like out in the public so for name only he was that person but he was still but he was going to be that type of inner working within the office those things are a, a lot of fun uh, the the cast is great and uh, like you know with Tony Hale as sort of her his her right hand you know gets her whatever she wants you know even before she knows uh, what she wants uh, type of thing uh, the episode where he dove in and and blocked the sneeze like he took a he took a bullet for her was hilarious um, there's just been a lot of really funny moments uh, within the show that uh, you know like even in this episode like I said the whole thing is she's dealing with a congressman that doesn't want her to endorse her or endorse him, but there's no, they never say it's just, he's just a congressman. You know, you don't really have any political affiliation. You just know that this guy's an ass, <laughs> like, you know, the, the character that they've created. And so that type of stuff, I think they do a really good job of making it not too neutral, but neutral in a sense of, uh, you can't really point out, any uh, sort of political bias to the show, you know, it's not, you know, it's not the West Wing where there's an obvious, you know, they're they're Democrats in office, so you know, there's an obvious thing there. Uh, they've really done a good job of keeping that 
that whole nature out of it and just being about <laughs> sort of the inner workings of, of uh, this group of people. And I also like, um, she's a woman, and obviously that's that's different, and she has to suffer a lot of indignities as a result of her gender, but that also is not um, a central part of her character. It's She stands on her own as, as a buffoon. Uh, okay well i think uh that's enough veep talk look forward to uh another season of that uh coming down the road sometime and uh the last show we have on our list is uh bunheads uh season one episode one the pilot which actually premieres the the night that we are recording this uh and uh i think uh, Drew, you and I actually, uh, I think we chatted a bit about it at the uh, the dinner at the psych set visit about uh, yes. Bunheads. Uh, so uh, what would you like people to know about the show? Um, well, I just, I just wrote an article about it today, and I just started with, if you like Gilmore Girls, you're going to love this show. <laughs> That's pretty much what I've been saying <laughs> to anybody or everybody. <laughs> um, it, it's just... Obviously, Amy Sherman Palladino's um, new show, and she was the the creator of Gilmore Girls as well. And it just embodies all of her best stuff. Her just the witty banter between the women, the wacky characters, but also the very heartwarming relationships. But and you have ballerinas, so how could you go wrong? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I definitely had about the same opinion. I mean, I was a huge Gilmore Girls fan, so seeing that on the screen again was just so much fun for me um i did have i mean i had two problems which may or may not be actual problems there's more things that caught me off guard and made me think about wait am i liking this i mean ultimately i was but i had like a couple of moments one was the whole i mean they said like if you like gilmore girls you'll like this my one issue is it's so much like gilmore girls in certain areas um obviously the speaking because it's written by Amy Sherman Palladino and there is really only one way to speak in one of her shows. And I'm fine with that. That I got through. There were a few points where it was like, even that little music between scenes that they always played in Gilmore Girls, that was there. And it was like this weird moment of, wait, what am I watching? Um, But I think I can handle that. And definitely didn't hurt the plot at all. And my other problem I can't talk about because it's a spoiler. Right. Um... (laughs) There is a shocking ending, I think we can yes, say, and most people, people <laughs> when they hear when they hear the podcast. Uh, the podcast is not going to come out until after the sh- it's aired, so you can. Oh, really? You can, okay. You can you can talk away. Okay, I was not. So okay I. With <laughs> let's do a point counterpoint. I love Alan Ruck. I love it. And when he was killed at the end of the episode, it was a completely tonal change. It was a shock, and it was really odd the way um, his unrequited love shared the news. And I was disappointed. I thought he was going to be a regular character and we were going to watch their relationship grow. Um, but then I, you know, I thought about it and it's just, it's not something that's done very often on a TV show where they kill off what you expect to be a major character in the first episode. Yeah. I mean, I I completely agree with you um, on everything because I was really excited to see Alan Ruck in that part. And 
I just thought it was, I thought that part, the love story was just such an interesting story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was different. It was very different. And just, it felt just so jarring. And it just had such a negative feel when that happened that didn't fit with anything else in the episode. And I mean, I understand, like, I can understand a lot of reasons why they would go that route, but I didn't like it. And I'm sure I'll be able to get past it and just be fine with it once the rest of the show gets going. It just, it just felt so negative in this sea of what was ultimately a positive show, um, a positive, ultimately happy show. Even if there were problems, you felt like the problems could have happy endings someday if people really worked at it. And then just have something like that that was just really quite horrible. It just bothered me. (laughs) Yeah, well, it it definitely was jarring. And it goes from this sort of like scene of the the mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law like dancing together at the bar. And maybe they, you know, since they sort of share a dancing background and they'll be able to actually get along somewhat. Uh, from how, you know, the first meetings <laughs> take place. And then all of a sudden, yeah, somebody walks in and said, you know, he's dead. And you're like, what? and then, and then it fades to black. And you're like, really? Wait, whoa. Well, that, that's the end of the episode? That's it. Cause it seems like you want to s- see the next episode because to me, I thought it kind of was going to be how do these two, does she, you know, grow to love him over time uh you know is that sort of the the love story part of the show uh is seemed like that's what it was so when that happened at the end you're like okay well what keeps her there like that was my first question it's like she just barely married the guy that she didn't really know what keeps her there in town what what continues this series? Like, where does it go from here? Like, what is it going to be? I assume she inherits the house or something. <laughs> yeah, or I the, mean, yeah. she, she was legally married to the guy, and if he died without a will, she'd get it. Like, she would get yeah. all of the property. I assume that's part of it, but there's a certain amount of is... I mean, she could sell the house and have money and move away and go back and pursue whatever. Or she could stay in this town and have a house and teach dancing to people. And there's just this, I yeah, like I'm sure they'll come up with something. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested to see. It definitely left you with a okay. I want to see how you're going to deal with this because that it's like you write yourself into a weird corner. But it's the beginning of the show, so they obviously have an idea of where they're going. Uh, but it was so jarring because the show opens up with two characters just bantering back and forth while in the middle of a. Las Vegas showgirls dancing <laughs> and it just draws you right in because it's just like you're like oh that that dialogue sounds familiar like in a, in a good way like <laughs> I like this uh, and and the whole episode builds and then when they end up in this small town uh, the funniest I think the funniest thing in the in the first episode is when she goes to buy the dress <laughs> and <laughs> she ends up in and the store of the the woman who's like totally in love with the guy that she just married, and that whole scene was was just uh, was fantastically funny. And but it sort of had, reminded you of sort of the small town wacky characters of 
of Gilmore Girls. But it it reminded me of Gilmore Girls in a lot of the you know a lot of positive ways, uh, not to mention that the lead looks <laughs> so much like uh, very much, and uh, one of the dancers looks a little bit <laughs> like she looks exactly the, like Lori, the daughter. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and then Kelly Bishop looks just like Emily Gilmore. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Odd how that works out. <laughs> But her character is very different from Emily Gilmore, which which I appreciate. Um, Emily, if Emily Gilmore saw that house, um, <laughs> set it on fire. Yeah. <laughs> she really would. <laughs> yes, that was quite the uh, eclectic decorations. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, overall for Bunheads, I've, I've basically been saying that if you like Gilmore Girls, that you should watch it, and that if you think the name is stupid or you don't really like ballet it's not really about that you know that's just sort of the basic thing that the rest of these characters and you know lives and stories are going to revolve around it's it's sort of like Grey's Anatomy is not really about the medicine you know (laughs) (laughs) so I would just say you know still watch because (laughs) it's just a, a lot of fun and uh, well, up until that very last scene. <laughs> Which, hopefully they'll find a way to come back to fun from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing is how do you is like how do you get back to sort of the the fun dramedy side of things after such a you know sort of a horrific thing happening? I'm de- I'm definitely interested to see next week's episode. Well, it's got to drive a huge wedge between Michelle and Fanny. Fanny is going to be devastated. Michelle will probably feel guilty because she didn't love this man. Um, but she owns a house, and she's probably obligated to stay. And so I, I think it they'll handle it well. Um, yeah. I'm hoping they will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they'll kill off a new character every week. Yeah. And then they'll... <laughs> They'll bring in Holder and Linder to solve. <laughs> well, then, the, but then the show. Well, that'll at least uh, get the show a couple of seasons uh, if, uh, <laughs> if we do that, because we won't know. <laughs> we won't know who cut the brake line and why he wasn't able to stop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, rewriting bunheads. Uh, I think <laughs> I think we'll move into uh, TV on DVD picks. Uh, these come out uh, Tuesday, June nineteenth. And uh, when I went through the list for the day, uh, the first thing I saw was uh, Being Erica, and uh, and then when Drew sent me her picks, I was like, "Wait, Louis was on that list." So that became also one of my picks. Uh, Louis season two is sort of my pick. Uh, Being Erica season four is uh, my pick it's being released uh, in Canada so you'd have to go to like amazon.ca or something like that to actually get it uh but <laughs> i haven't seen season 4 of being erica yet so that's why i that's why it's on my list <laughs> what about what about louie L- yeah louie is uh louie is just <laughs> it's just a great uh little show that uh it's it's kind of awkward at times, but yet completely hilarious at other times. Um, he really 
uh, hits on this sort of version of himself uh, in this, you know, another show where a guy's playing a version of of himself that uh, it's just it's just really funny. And the the great thing about this season two DVD is it will include the the special hour long uh, U.S. USO episode where he goes to Iraq with the troops, um, which is just an amazing hour of television, regardless of comedy drama. Yeah, with the with the the duck. The duckling. Yeah, that, that was yeah. That's that episode is worth the, you know, it's like worth the DVD. Exactly, and hopefully they'll have some special features talking about it. But regardless, if you if you haven't seen it, it's it's definitely worth a purchase. And then your other uh, your other pick was Wilfred, Wilfred season one. Oh, have you seen Wilfred? I watched the first episode, and I just there there wasn't enough there to get me to watch another one, which is not normal because I usually give shows more of a chance than that. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll go back sometime and watch it, but it just didn't grab me. I highly recommend you do. Um, some other characters are introduced. Um, the stuffed animal bear um, is probably my favorite character. He doesn't speak. Um, he's only manipulated by by Jason Gann's dog. But um, there's bear, and then bear's sexual relationship with a with a stuffed giraffe, um, Raffy. I'm hoping to see him come back this season. And it actually did end on a cliffhanger um, because you don't know what kind of reality is going on in this series. Obviously, there's not a real talking dog um, in human (laughs) form in smoking pot. Um, But I just just think it's brilliant. Um, I had no idea Elijah Wood was so funny. And how about you, Laurel? Um, well, my DVD pick, it's kind of for a different reason. Um, I went, I was, my pick would be Franklin and Bash Season 1. And mostly just because it seems it's just such a perfect DVD show. Because it's very, it's mostly pretty silly. Um, it's fun. Really not much in the way of socially redeeming qualities. Um, not serious. You're not going to be a better person for watching this. But... <laughs> To me, I always thought of the, I always think of the show as like it's almost like a frat party. I mean, they're fun to go to sometimes when you're in the right mood, but you don't want to always go. So you know, if you're feeling down, you know, you've watched Bunheads and you're sad about Hubble and something like that, you just want to be entertained by crazy people doing funny things and winning lawsuits because they're also brilliant. Then it works for that. It's definitely the kind of show that if I had it on DVD, I'd probably just pop it in every once in a while, just because it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a fun show. I I I, I just think it's it's fun. You don't like not everything has to be a madman, you know, or something no. like like completely engrossing madman. or gripping or something like that. There's plenty of room for stuff that's just fun and mindless, you know, kind of thing that you can just kick back and relax and watch you don't have to pay that much attention to it but you still get what's going on uh i sort of call it the it, franklin and bash is like boston legal without like the political speeches because uh, it, it has that same you know sort of these outlandish type cases or outlandish type things that they'll do to get their point across in in court or uh and uh 
so I, yeah, it's just uh, it's just fun to watch. What what is fun about it? I the, the ludicrous title put me off at the beginning. So so try to sell me on this. Okay, well, I mean, Franklin and Bashir is the two names of the character of the lead characters, right. and they're these two like rebel lawyers essentially at the beginning uh, total ambulance chasers but they win and they win in crazy weird ways like they won a lawsuit about a billboard like a sexy billboard by having the woman who posed for the billboard come in and essentially strip in the courtroom and have everyone be distracted by that I mean they're that, it's that kind of stuff and they live in a party house, essentially. Like, they're just always having parties. There's a hot tub. Um, they practice a lot of this office. But then they get picked up by this big, fancy, um, corporate-style law firm because they're just such good litigators. And so sort of the two worlds coming together and smashing into each other, usually with funny results. Yeah, you have, like, the the sort of the, the major partner, you know, that started the firm wanted to like shake things up, you know, at, at, at the law firm. So he brings these guys in and then, you know, there's a couple other, mainly one guy who's like, just hates them because they're like everything that he's, you know, complete opposites of him uh, mm-hmm. in the way that he goes about doing, uh, you know, his cases and, and stuff like that. And it's all about him trying to get rid of them. You know, <laughs> at times and stuff, and uh, and season scary. two definitely looks like they're definitely going more of that direction too, of uh, of sort of the internal workings of going back and forth of the the people at the firm and the people who uh, don't really like them uh, at at the firm. But it's just if you like sort of the the outlandish a- antics of of things like like Boston Legal or other types of. Uh, sort of lawyer shows like that it it really has sort of that fun side of uh, you're not sure what they're going to tr- do or try to uh to get out of uh you know to to win the case for their side okay i'm going to give it a shot yeah. don't expect great television but it's fun <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not great but it's great fun yeah uh, oh perfect <laughs> i can see that blurb going on the dvd cover that works. <laughs> uh, okay, so that uh, wraps up the episode. Thank you both for uh, for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, next week, uh, Ray and Amory will be back with me. And uh, for all of you out there, if you've got questions for us, we're going to do a Q and A segment. So we'll answer we'll answer your questions about any uh, you know any TV shows that uh, we don't that we don't tend to cover that you want to know what we think about them or well, pretty much anything else, but uh, TV-related, most likely, would be your best bet. <laughs> uh, as always, you can find us on iTunes and uh, Stitcher. Uh, if you would uh, rate us uh, or review us or give us a thumbs up on Stitcher, that would always be appreciated. Uh, and you can find us, as always, on Twitter and Facebook at TV Times 3 and Lastly, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And that will do it. Fantastic. We sit glued to the TV set all night. And every night. Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright. We got nothing better to do than watch.
watch TV and have a couple of brews.